Hi, everybody. I'm here with Cynthia Sue Larson once again, and we're going to be combining her area of expertise along with a little bit of the work of Carl Kellerman and some curious questions from me centered around COVID, although I do want to go into a little uh, an area with a little more levity afterwards, which uh, Cynthia Sue has quite a bit of experience with, and that is looking at multidimensionality and some of the creatures that live in the other dimension, if we can get around to it. But we're going to start out with COVID. So Cynthia Sue, it's so good to see you again. Uh, such a pleasure to be talking with you. You know, this one, we were going to do something else entirely, which I, I referred to, uh, we might get around to it toward the end of the interview, but after the kick up of COVID where the United States is the global pariah, I was thinking if we wanted to do an escape, I don't even know if Uganda would allow us in. I mean, <laughs> I think there are like three countries who allow U.S. citizens in anymore. <laughs> and so I thought, let's look at this on deeper terms because now people are freaking out round two, maybe even uh, round three here. So I wanted to talk to you because this has multi-dimensionality to it, just like everything else does. And I wanted to talk to you about the nature of how a, and kind of an end result is determined when you have potential multiple timelines. And then we'll play around with the notion of what it would take, or if it's possible, to create an outcome that is um, more gracious, more grace-filled to humanity from this, and that we're going to be kind of tapping into Carl Kalman's work along the way. So first of all, tell us what you think about COVID from a multidimensional point of view. Well, it looks like it's here to challenge us, which is doing beautifully. And if you wonder why do we need a challenge, then that's why we're bringing in Carl Kellerman's work, which is perfect. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so it's a challenge, and it presents us with the opportunity at, during the challenge to either fall back into old survival patterns or step up to a new level of ourselves really and so that's the ultimate challenge and that's the unexpressed challenge that you're not typically going to see except on a show like yours um, usually that's not what's being emphasized by the news media they're focusing on the very material physical and what I've known from looking at this idea of reality shifts and Mandela effects consciousness for the last 20 years I've been studying it is that all of that is malleable based on our state of mind, our consciousness. We absolutely affect it. And so when we work as a collective, then we have the ability to bring about large scale changes. So the challenge then is on a large scale. How do we step up or do we fall back? And that's, of course, trying to work together collectively. And for individualists like ourselves, then often this can be challenging because the West, as you know, is very me based it's very me 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 and the east has more of a we accommodating uh, shared consciousness so if you look at it that way then that then you're starting to see what might be happening and i think that's a yeah. good framework i think it is too and as you're mentioning this it's occurring to me i mean one of the things i think that gave the united states its position in the world was a kind of level a level of creativity that's um, unusual um, in the, among the world populations, partly because of after World War II, a certain amount of prosperity that allowed for enough comfort 
that allowed people to express themselves creative, creatively, plus the notion of the dreamer, the people rolling west, Hollywood, all of it. Uh, now in this world, uh, today we're looking at the virtual world um, of the internet. And so is it possible we're also talking about a population, which is you know, the most volatile in terms of COVID right now, um, is it possible part of that has to do with the power of that collective imagination and being split? I mean, really fractured in two different directions. Yes, uh, that's a good way to look at it. The, the, I think that you're on the right track when you're looking at what's happened since World War II. And if you go back even farther, you can see this is why we're definitely going to bring in Carl Kellerman. <laughs> yes. Because, because when you look back, I like to look back the, like the last 400 years or so, because that's where you see there's been a huge shift from this last few centuries of toward the West being predominant in terms of um, dictating the view of reality, in terms of our approach to science. And it seems like the West has been dominating for what, um, or that way of thinking, mm -hmm. that's the, what I mean to say. It's not really about East versus West. It's more left brain, right brain, you could think of it also. And there has been a denigration of the imagination, and there's been um, a presumption that our analytical methods are always going to be superior, and imagination is just imagination. So if you think of the last 400 years that way, and then we're at a pivot point right now, and this is, gets into the work of Carl Kellerman and these waves that he looks at. So if you're looking at that sixth wave in the last four or 500 years, and then we're, we're at this beautiful point, we're about to set the stage for the next few centuries to come right now as the ninth wave that he calls it comes in. So if people are not familiar with his work, definitely check out the ninth, ninth wave of creation. Ninth wave. And I also have done a couple interviews with him, one on my site here, originamerith.com, also on Gaia. So we have a, a couple interviews for people who want to kind of get a feel for him, a taste of his work, um, and then dive into the book or vice versa. Um, yes. But it's really interesting because the ninth wave invites us into unity consciousness. And if there's one thing the United States isn't in terms of consciousness, it's unified. <laughs> we're, we're a nation of free agents. And now we get to see what that looks like. I think the stats I read this morning right. on COVID were that the highest, um, the age group with the highest percentage of infection rate right now is like 21. And that's because everybody's had it with being indoors. Right. They want to party. It's right. like the line flattened. Everybody thought, "Wahoo, it's over," and, and and decided to get together and enjoy life again. And now here yes. we are again. And this is getting away from politics. It's getting away it from skewed data because it's skewed right. all over the place. But in general, I think it's fair to say we we kind of lost the thread there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I all count. To, to get, I want to give Calumet a bit more credit because he wrote an article, "The Existential uh, Possible Cause of COVID," which is very controversial. But I think I want to hear it. You oh, and I both gosh. have this article. He sent it to us. You read it. I opened yeah. it this morning, and I haven't read it yet. I wish I had. I would have been better prepared. So I would like you to take the lead and talk okay. to us about this. Well, this is Carl Kellman's concept. So this is Dr. Kellman we're speaking of, and he's presenting the idea that maybe COVID is just like everything else. Um, if you take a look at all of the epical moments in history, what his proposal is, is that there's a wave nature to consciousness which the Mayans were aware of, and they've got that, that kind of, if you look at their pyramids and so forth, there's a zigzag kind of a, 
like very quantum stair step kind of thing going on, showing the these serpent. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And this is the serpent is a global concept. It's across all the continents. Anyway, getting back to the theory. So if you're looking at the COVID situation, then he was suggest he was bringing our awareness to the point that right now America, the United Kingdom, Sweden, a few other countries are having a, a more problems with COVID than some of the Eastern countries. And he's, yeah, you, that's, that's just a fact at the moment right now. Here it is July, 2020. Who knew that we'd be having this issue that we're the ones that are being put under, like you said, we can't, we're the ones who can't enter other countries. We're blacklisted um, everywhere. I was joking yes. to a friend. Do you think, do you, yeah, I was joking about that. Do you think we could take a trip to Uganda? Might they let us in? <laughs> 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 I don't even, I don't think Bolivia or the South American countries, but anyway, we're, we're in this situation now. And it's interesting because going back to Kalaman's work, um, over the last 400 years, it was the rise of the British empire and right. of, yes. And of the beginning of the United States of America and what it became as a democracy during the up cycle of that wave, which is now on the descending sign and is yes. past the horizon. Right. That's what we're talking about. So when we look at the, that fact, and then you see, okay, now the East, of course, is going to have an easier time with a matter that requires cooperation, not so much of a me, me, me attitude where, like, I don't have to wear a mask. And so it, I'm not blaming anything. I'm not trying to pick on anyone. <laughs> Let's try to keep it clear of that. I'm just yeah, saying Yeah, we are general, who we are. We each have, yeah. this country has its own character. Ours is ruggedly exactly. individualistic, fun, creative. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> And right now, that's taking some of the hit. This this rugged individualism is um, much more. You might think of it as a masculine, or the, you know, it's the yang to the yin. So the the eastern approach, which is we're all going to do the same thing. We're going to work together. They're they're coming through this a little more smoothly. So that was what he's suggesting in the article. What I'm noticing, because this this gets into, I, I love his work because it really Thank highlights. You. Yeah. It, it, it gets to the point of what's going on that was so special right around 2011, 2012. And that was the so-called end of the long count on the Mayan calendar. And then what we're noticing for those of us who are experiencing the Mandela effect is that that was really the beginning of when that time, uh, that same time, 2011, 2012, right around there, that's where global consciousness, the, all of humanity became aware of the Mandela effect. And that's, that to me is good news because it means uh, that gets to the point of what we want to talk about today. Like, what can we do about this and what's possible now that we're at this point? Indeed, because instead of becoming more unified and working as a team in the United States, we use that as an opportunity to express our frustration right on through our resentments and even overt hatreds. We allowed this to trigger all of that in our society to actually create a society or, or show a society, reflect a society that is more divided than ever. As I alluded to earlier, we're divided. We used it to increase political tensions and division, racial tensions and division. And at the same time, you have those people who are on that newer edge of thought and feel that wave of unity that must express itself coming in now starting to show up and say, okay, here's our chance. Let's do things differently. So it's, it's beautiful on that level, but 
what a whopper, what an eye opener to show just how um, divisive and essentially kind of dark we allowed ourselves to go in our thinking, you know, and in our resentment of one another. That that was, I, I think, I don't, I, I don't know that most people at two or three years ago would have guessed that this is what we would become. I don't know. Very, no, I, I think you're right. Very few people would have guessed that because no. it seems like all the shadow stuff is bubbling over Shadows and coming out. out. Yeah, it's all the dirty laundry, whatever you want to call it. But that's perfect challenge for us to take as the opportunity. Now, you know, individually, we, when this sort of thing happens on a personal scale, that's uh, those of us who meditate and have that spiritual background, we know that's a call to either fall back into old patterns, we know not to do that, hopefully, and become more egotistical and um, me, 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 and just I want it my way, and blaming. instead start, yeah, mm -hmm. blaming, blaming, right, and pointing fingers and all the drama. We know that that doesn't go anywhere once we've been through that a few times. Yeah. And now collectively, this is more challenging to come together as a country in a way that I don't know that we've ever done that, to collectively step up, if you will, and recognize this is a huge opportunity to be more than we've been, to be more in service, and to be there for each other, to have that degree of respect and reverence that I haven't typically seen a lot of. And it's so shocking at this point to, to call for that level of reverence and respect and gratitude for one another. Um, but I, and so yeah, kindness even, right? Yeah, kindness. Yes, I agree with you. So Cynthia, when we look at it from through your lens yes, and the mind because because we've talked about this, uh, we've talked about it in other interviews. Uh, people talked about it um, at your conference recently, yes. uh, at the Mandela Effect conference. And this is the notion of how mind interfaces with the outcomes, how mind and emotion interfaces with the outcome of these timelines or these parallel realities or these ultimate outcomes. So tell us about that from a vibrational level and from a mind level and set the stage for the COVID and then the way forward. Okay. That's all. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a well, question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically uh, the key when you look at consciousness and what we create um, is that we, we tend to lose sight of it, but what we focus on with the totality of our being, I'm, I'm gesturing because it means not just your head, but your heart and your gut. When you've got that alignment and you know that what you need is what you love, is what you are focusing on and what you're visualizing, uh, we tend to get it because it's what we need and it's all lined up and that's beautiful. And we see this if you're in love or, you know, those moments when it feels like everything's going your way. Well, and then what we, we sometimes do is make the mistake to think, well, that was only happening because I was falling in love without recognizing this is actually a state of being that you can um, master. You can become much more aligned with, within yourself and feel a sense of love with life and with others every day. And so this is the goal. Um, it's, now, that would be, per, in perfect times, it may seem easier. Now we're in, amidst COVID. So it's, we're talking about love in the time of COVID, yes. <laughs> but it's possible. <laughs> cholera. <laughs> right? <laughs> love it. So it's, 
Yeah, it's totally possible. It just requires us to um, just take that moment, just slow down, calm down, recognize that no matter what's happening, things are fine, and just really regain that stillness of self that can get lost when we tend to focus too much on whatever is bothering us the most. And that's a natural, normal part of our brains. Our, our minds work that way. We fixate, of course, on what's wrong. But this is not the time to be doing that so much. It's not functional. It's not really working. And it's not really getting us anywhere. So it's individually, each of us needs to recognize what can we do to calm ourselves down, get realigned with where we want to go, and then start working better with the individuals that you have in your home, in your bubble, and um, just be the rock that others can then rely upon. Because as as we know, when you when you are that person that people can depend upon, you can be that point of sanity. And that's what we really need right now is to build this new future going forward. And we will. We can do it with those of us who are able to visualize. Uh, first of all, we're in this amazing time of opportunity. It's calling on us to move up to a new level. Uh, we, we've been ready for this. We've been getting ready for it. People that watch your program that know you, they know we've been getting ready for it. Well, here it is. Yes, <laughs> it is. Well, and it's interesting because we have to really watch the nature of our thoughts. And one of them, I was having a conversation with a colleague uh, yesterday. Um, we're looking at production schedules and all that. And um, she, she's a person that is, this is a very fearful thing for her because she's from New York and she knows people who've been affected, even though she's not in New York, it's, it's very challenging for her. And I'm in a place where it's not as challenging where we live. And, you know, the temptation to say there's a right way or a wrong way. But one thing we, she, she mentioned was that this is, now being called wearing masks and social distancing is now being called by a lot of the media, the new normal. And I said, no, no, <laughs> do not accept this as the new normal. Unless this is exactly how you want this thing to go. What happens when the media starts saying this is the new normal and millions and tens of millions of people a night are listening to this messaging that this well, isolation is the new normal. I think that's what somebody came up with to try to get people to get on board. But it would be better to find something like Rosie the Riveter, you know, something yeah. where you feel like I'm helping and we're going to yes. get through this and we're doing something and I there will be an agree. end. Yeah. That, that's what we really it's need. It's dangerous to buy into these slogans because yes. it's now starting to meld or is starting to mold us into a potential outcome through our acceptance and our visioning of this. Yeah, and that's not where I would like to end up in five years, 10 years from now. That's not my vision no. of that. That's, that's not normal. So that's not something I'm holding on to normally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at this much more like this is just, we're going to get through this. This is These are tools that we're employing. There are a variety of tools in our toolkit. Some of them are meditation, things we're doing on the inside. Some of them are masks and whatever. Uh, everything that you can do, um, taking good care of yourself, sleeping, getting good vitamins, getting some sunshine, those are good things. Mm. Checking in with people you care about and love, that's good. And obviously, then as a, as a group, can we steer things? I believe we can, but yeah, when we look at what's going on, and that's where I, I love this idea of the ninth wave, because then you see like, okay, this challenge was here at a time for us to reconsider 
the last 400 years of fixating on only the measurables. And we are leaving that time behind. We are going into much more of a subjective experience of reality, much more than that belief that everything could be objective. Um, And we're going back into imagination, but we're doing it in a new way that we've never seen before on this, you know, earthly planet (laughs) that we have historical historical records of. It's going to be something new, Um, familiar in a way, but it'll be new. And that's the challenge is to keep the, positivity and the hopeful sense of adventure without, like you said, assuming that, that, that what we're doing to get through this would ever become something that would be, we'd be stuck with. That doesn't make sense. Yes. Thank you for that. And I was talking with uh, Belinda Womack, who's someone I've interviewed before. She's a wonderful, wonderful, kind lady who she's a channeler and her guides told her from the very beginning uh, about the nature of it. And they said, this is frequency. It's all frequency. It's always frequency. And right. of your own being and what you do to keep your frequencies as clean and clear and high as you possibly can will be a large determining factor in how this would affect you if you were exposed. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I totally agree with that. Uh, and I've noticed just dealing with illnesses and so forth. And I've described it in some of my books, just like quantum jumps. You can, and I think most of us have had this experience. You might notice you're starting to catch a cold, but you know, you can't be sick. And on those occasions, if you tell yourself, I can't be sick, I don't have that luxury today. Like I I could feel the cold coming on, but you know what? I'm going to imagine this is the end of the cold and it's just going away. I have to do it that way today. And that works. And a lot of people have this experience. So it's bringing that, kind of burst of energy and visualizing it and knowing you need it. And then you can have that. So that's, that's something that we know how to do when we need it. I think the trick right now is it seems like it's such a long haul. It's hard for some of us to know how do we make a particular jump on a given day and how do we know that we need something? How do we know where we're going with this? It seems a little chaotic, like what's happening. And again, that's why, we brought up Carl Kellerman's work because when you look at this ninth wave and it, what is it every one week, it's going from day to night and every two weeks, it's a complete cycle. Wow. No wonder things seem so chaotic, you know, cause every two weeks it's just nuts. You know, something, another huge thing has happened. And um, yeah, but the, the thing I want to emphasize that I don't know that Carl knows about, and I know um, a couple of people brought it to his attention. Evan Matreya, who was at the conference, talked with Carl Kalman once and mentioned, do you know about the Mandela effect? And at that point, Dr. Kalman didn't, but now he's heard about it. And I like to think that that would be the technology that came in with the ninth wave, this idea that collectively we are changing reality. So far, we've been doing it subconsciously, but we're seeing the physical effects that are very positive in our bodies, for example, where the kidneys have um, definitely moved. Like if you think to yourself, what's a kidney punch? Where is that? Put your hands on where you think that is. Most of us would put our hands on our back and the low back area. Like, like you do, like if you've climbed up a high, a big hike and you're tired and you put your hands there to rest, you're covering what used to be with the kidneys. They have moved up and they're now under the rib cage, <laughs> better protected. And that's one of several physiological changes that have affected 8 billion people on the planet with no fanfare. So we're witnessing the way that these, this quantum shift can occur on it, the entire population. There are lots of other shifts as well. But if you start thinking this can be positive, then you know that 
these miracles can happen and we don't need to be wearing masks forever. It doesn't make any sense going back to that. I agreed. And uh, I, that, I flashed back to my conversation with a woman I've mentioned in a couple interviews. Her name is uh, Elena, Vladim uh, Elena Tonetti Vladimirova. And she was, I was, I was interviewing her for the subject of water birth, but turns out she grew up in Siberia with uh, Russia's first um, nuclear power plant, or one of the first, she said the first, I don't know historically if that's accurate, but one of the first, let's say, and it had been leaking for decades. And she said what happened is, uh, uh, she said 50-50, but it's generalizing, that half the population was thriving on the radiation where the other half would fall ill and experience birth defects in subsequent generations, cancer and so forth, but the other half thrived to the extent, and she was one of them, where they had these super immune systems, and where when um, Fukushima happened, she was craving. She heard the news and her cells were excited. She wanted to swim in that water. It, it was <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, her body was craving the radiation. This is not something the human body is designed to do. Yet, somehow, these bodies that she's speaking of adapted to this, and so have, and so have others, where there have been radiation leaks. And so if we're looking at that, is, because that's supposed to you know, destroy the integrity of our cellular structure and DNA, if you look at that and people surviving that, what is it in the ones that survived? And that's what we're talking about. What is it in the ones that survived and thrived amidst it versus those who didn't? And might it be that COVID is another such challenge? And what you said earlier made perfect sense in terms of how do we shift those frequencies? Everything you spoke about earlier is yeah. how we shift those frequencies. This is not magic. You don't have to no. do this. We're ready for this. And I love that example you're giving because it shows that there are these quantum leaps in evolution that explain um well it doesn't explain but it matches the record when you see there are all these missing links through yeah. evolutionary history and it's like there's more missing links than connections it looks very quantum and so i think that that we're actually witnessing that this can and does happen and some people literally notice it in their lifetime that's an amazing example so yeah it's i think anything's possible and we know for sure that that our memory itself is thanks to having had a virus at one point in time. That's the source that we, of, of all memory that we currently have. Right. So viruses can absolutely help us evolve, and it's quite possible that's happening right now as well. Yes, we just can't imagine where that, quote, potential upgrade may be leading us. We can't see that at the moment with all the panic and all the disturbed voices that are screaming at us from all directions. So, so I, think we're, I think we're all on the same page here together, which is if we can understand our opportunity in the West, in the United States, is to learn to come into more of a unity consciousness in a very real way, which is literally being presented to us on a platter. It's not just a new age platitude anymore. It's you need to unify in your care for one another. And as you said, be the rock. Be the rock for others. Uh, yes. Offer kindness and offer understanding and compassion for people who are in fear over this, into the situation. You know, instead of blaming and seeing one another as weak because we might be in fear, one person's in fear, another one's considered reckless because they're not. I think it's really important to calm that part of the conversation down. 
Some yeah. people have reason to feel more fearful. Others have less reason to feel fearful because of their own life experience. So let's just have a little compassion. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. So now this takes us on to the part of the conversation that was going to be the body of our interview. Yes. <laughs> we decided to go this way. And that has to do with the realms that are living just slightly phased off our realm. How does, I'm wondering if you've, you've seen anything along the line of how what we're doing here in this realm is actually even affecting some of the other realms of beings. And the one, one we're going to focus on was some of the Devic realms. Yes. I've had some extraordinary experiences that I guess we were talking about and you said, this would be great to go into it. And I'd love to. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to me that, uh, that we can have connections with nature spirits. Like um, people talk about little people and they're actually experienced all around the world. I've, I've encountered some that are close to my house. Um, you can think of the, I, I don't know what to call them exactly. I guess elves would be the right word. They're, they're small and I see them through my third eye. So I, I know that not, I know other people won't see them the way I see them. But having said that, they're quite real to me because they have had profound interactions with me that um, have affected a lot of, uh, you know, they've shown that they're picking up on what's going on in our reality. I, I'll just jump into it because it's, it's too hard to explain <laughs> by summarizing. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So I, I was on some regular daily walks at a point in my life when I had two young children and I would often be running through this forest trail if I was running late so I'd be able to see my children after school and make dinner. And I was a single mom at that time, so time was kind of crunched. So one day, um, oh, but, but I, there were elves in these forests. I don't want to skip that part. I met them and yeah, I just thought this is so amazing because I could feel that there were these circles of oak trees along a little trail that I would walk through in Tilden Park. And in this, these oak forests, I, I could feel that there was special energy. That's what drew my attention to the circles of trees to begin with. And a couple of times when I stopped, I would notice there are spirits here, not just a deep, not, I mean, I don't mean not just, but it's different than a diva spirit in a, because those can be quite, um, I don't know what the word for it is. They, they have a different energy. But these elves are kind of festive, um, playful, and um, sort of like, hooray! You know, there'd be that feeling of like, wow, I can feel like there's a village here. I could really feel the spirit of it. And then when I got to know them, I sort of developed a rapport. And each of the circles of trees had different feelings of the, the spirit, the little elvish people that lived there. And I had various encounters with them. Um, some of them quite, they have a sense of humor because uh, um, on one occasion, one was asked, it was in winter time, and he said, do you like fruit? And I said, yes. And uh, he, I thought he was going to lead me to a fruit to taste. He did. It was a little uh, dark bluish berry, very small and round. And I said, is this edible? And he, he nodded somberly. And so I picked it, and I tasted it, and it was so bitter. And I made this horrible face and I spit it out. And I was like, eh. That's horrible. And then he's laughing so hard. He just, he's like, like side splitting laughter. 
and I thought that's not nice. <laughs> so I told him like that's that's not funny to me. And then and then he got all serious again and said, "Well then, if would you like to try something you would like?" I said, "Yes," but I'm, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned. But like, well, okay, we'll try it again. And <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I thought, well, he just has a sense of humor. That was a practical joke. That's his, you know, their thing. So I followed him, and he led me to a trail to, in the middle of winter, after the frosts, there was nothing growing. All the leaves were brown or had fallen off, but he showed me of a blackberry bush with fresh, ripe blackberries on it that were so ripe, so juicy, so perfect. In the winter, that's in the winter. incredible. But there was a catch to it, because I'm looking at it, and the only way I can reach it, and I have brand new white shoes on, my brand new white Nikes, and I thought, oh man, but there's a mud puddle, and there's no way to get to them without stepping in the mud puddle. I'm like, well, there you go again, you guys. <laughs> but I thought, will I ever get this chance again? Probably not. So I step into the mud. Try The berries are amazing. It's like these guys work with nature, and I think they can just about do anything. So the berries were worth it. And then I pulled, this is, now it gets really interesting. I'm removing my, my brand new shoe and my white socks and my foot out of that mud puddle. And it looks like I'm watching a movie in reverse. Because I'm seeing, I don't expect this. I expect mud and I've wrecked my shoe. And I thought, well, I've got a story to tell. But the shoe comes out clean. It just comes out clean, just completely clean. So I, I'd seen what these guys can do. It, it's amazing. I mean, it's just nature stuff, but it's, it's amazing. So that was my, I'd have lots of experiences like that. And they love stories. These are fun, loving characters. I just want you to get to know that they're very festive and fun and they have a great sense of humor, but they also seem to know about what's happening in our earthly realm with humans. Because um, on the day before 9/11, September 10th, um, I was I was I was on that. I was it was one of those days I hadn't planned properly, so I'm just running down the trail because I don't have time to enjoy it the way I, I know I should. But so but I'm running through the first circle of oaks, and then they stop me. They say they've got something for me. I said, okay, what is this? And they handed me a scroll, and I said, okay, but I don't, I, this looks complicated. I don't have time to read this right now. I have to get home. And, and then they're very stern, like, promise you will read it tonight before you go to bed. And I said, okay. So off was I go. A physical scroll that you could hold in your no, hand? No, 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 no. This is um, something you could see through your third eye and carry with yes, you. Yes, yes. I know they're handing me something. I look at it. What is it? It's a scroll. It's big. Like, oh, man, this looks involved. Yeah. So it's like there's a lot. I, I open it. Oh, my gosh. This is more than a sentence. <laughs> I'll yeah. have to deal with this later. And so, but they just were just promise, promise me that you will read this. I said, yes. But then, you know what it's like if you're a single mom, um, things went differently. So <laughs> I forgot all about it. So I went to bed that night and then I'm starting, I'm, I'm in my nightgown, I'm alone in bed. And then I feel something pulling on my shoulder. And like you promised. I'm like, what? What is this? <laughs> like, oh, oh, that. Oh, so I turn on the light and I get out my journal and I just, I, I transcribe what they had given me on the scroll. And it was beautiful. It was this poem. I don't know why they, I didn't know why they'd done this. I thought this is so elaborate and that it was just glowing. Um, the scroll was glowing. When I wrote it, it was just ordinary binder with blue pen <laughs> or whatever. Um, but the first word of each sentence, it's it, it shown in gold and the first words, it created a sentence of its own, which was always remember that you live your life for love. I thought that is the sweetest thing. It's so sweet. 
and then I then I thought, okay, I could go to sleep now. I've got the message. So I don't know what this was all about. So I go to sleep, and then I wake up with a phone call. I don't even wake myself up. You know, I get the phone call, turn on your TV, like, hey. So anyway, wow. But the, the point is um, they obviously knew. They knew a full yeah. day in advance, um, like a lot of people did. Like when you look at the those yes. global. It was in the field, yeah. It was in the field. All the random number generators picked up on it. Right. Yeah. So. So how have you ever had experiences then with them directly, or have you ever spoken with the, with them about their relationship to humankind? What our relationship and uh, the nature of it is with one another and toward one another? Because most of us, of course, don't even know they exist. Right. Um, well, I've invited them to my garden. They're so good with nature. It's like, can you guys help me? And they're like, sure. So they, um, they, they help. Um, I haven't really asked them what you're asking me. What I notice when they want, like sometimes I'll tell stories. They're the, the elf children. They, they like to hear stories, but the, they like to hear the kind of stories. I don't know what, what I was expecting, but I'm surprised. They, they want to hear about the dog that I used to have. And like, tell us about Prince Moonshadow. And like, really? You want to hear about Prince Moonshadow? <laughs> yeah, they want to hear all about that. So what, what they are so interested in are the qualities that I think we need to come back to, which is things like joy, kindness, laughter, um, you know, really connecting with one another. I, I think they talk to me because they sense that I, I really care about them and I can feel that they're there and I... I, I could feel the energy, like I would stop at those circles of oaks and just soak it in, like there's something special here. That's how I got to know them. It's because I knew that there was, some, I knew there's something going on here. And then they became apparent to me. And so I think they show me based on how I interact with them, what they're looking for and what they care about. I, I don't think they give advice. They've never really, except that one piece of advice, always remember that you live your life for love. They know me, that they know that that is what I'm living for. How did they know that? Um, I think they can read our hearts, frankly. So, And so as a reminder also, I mean, their own, in their own world, as you say, these beings um, are just incredibly proficient at working with our natural, our three slash 4D natural world themselves. And do you, do you think it's important for us to now begin to become aware of these other realms of beings around us? It's not just um, learning to acknowledge the rights and, and respect of and respect one another, but also extending that into other realms. How much more expansive and imaginative and wonderful would life be if we could open up to the notion that just slightly phased off our, uh, our third dimensional sense of sight are these other beings? Do, what it, do could you be oh, yeah. it, it could solve a lot of problems because they seem to have an intrinsic awareness of like ecosystems and how, we need trees to keep the ground cool and so forth. They, they understand all of that stuff really well. They can work. It's like Findhorn. When you see them growing blackberries after all the frosts. Yeah. Like that's, that's ridiculous. That's, a, that's amazing. That's extraordinary. So they really, they can work with things that, on that level. And I think that they're showing us that we can do that too. So to me, it's, it's like you say, it's the imagination. So instead of looking to our, left brain technology, uh, what about recognizing that we already can feel um, the, the quality of a soil, for example. You know when there's a richness to a soil and it can grow good fertile crops, that matters. And 
I think we've sort of lost touch with some of that connection to nature that we used to have. So that, to me, that's what the elves in particular oh, yeah. are showing. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's so important. And anyone who, anyone who has even a pot of flowers or a little vegetable <laughs> patch, really, uh, I, I'm starting to talk with them. I, I'm not able to see them. I can kind of, I can connect with beings and I can feel them and listen to them and sometimes see things, but I don't, I don't see this realm of beings and I would love to have a little bit of envy. I would love to be able oh. to actually see them, but I, I acknowledge their presence and I notice that they're, they're helpful, especially when you request a little help with something in the natural kingdom. So I would encourage all of us to start understanding that maybe it's just slightly phased off, but there's this wonderful world. We're, ignore, we're ignoring our own third dimensional world. And I think that they are connected. I think when we enrich ours, it enriches theirs. They seem to care incredibly about what's happening in our world too. That's I think that's interesting. If you yeah. Anything or had any indication of how they're perceiving what's going on in our world today. And they feel, yeah, it, it feels like, um, well, I, I get it just in a knowing sense. It's not, we haven't had conversations, but I can sort of read their hearts the way they read yes. mine. I can feel uh, like with 9-11, they felt there was a heaviness to their hearts about that. Like, oh, you know, and, and again, right now there's that heaviness, like, um, but they, they're hopeful too, but I can feel that they sense that we are kind of going about things still in that we're going to solve this. We're going to force our solution on nature. And that's not really the right way to do anything. <laughs> it, it needs to come from respect and kindness with ourselves and with others so that, so that we're not that danger to ourselves and others that we seem to be so much of the time. And I think that's really this ninth wave. It's coming into that awareness and recognizing that we really are creating reality with our collective thoughts on a very subconscious level. And we're going to get what we need, whether we like it or not. So we might as well start lining things up so that what we need is what we love. And it is what we're visualizing. So we're not as crazy as we have sometimes been in the past. Yes. And so just kind of in summary, we're looking at the, these beings that have shown up in your life uh, on yes. occasions. Um, these beings are showing us that it's time and it's important for us to reconnect with our sense of joy and to have a little lightness with the folly of life and to reconnect with nature. And these are really critical for our own healing. And also in this time, these are things we actually have control over where the exterior aspect of life, oftentimes we don't. You know, local communities, governments say we're shutting this down, we're opening it up, red light, green light. We, we, <laughs> may control, we may not have control over all that, but we yeah. do have control over these feelings. Everything we mentioned in the earlier part of the conversation, that it seems that many members of that this Devic realm already exemplify or live by way of like you say this humor the sense of fun in life this deep connection with nature this caring of nature so i mean i i didn't think there would really be a particular dovetail between these two subjects but as you're talking this kind of this kind of light and the focus on love which you mentioned in the very beginning which came through in the message from uh, your friends um the elves it seems to me to be coherent. 
this is, is where we need to start looking because right now it's all about fear. And I think in part, I, w- I wanted to talk to you too. In fact, I have a book club coming up uh, in another week or so on with uh, Tannis Hallowell, who wrote Summer with the Leprechauns because she, like you, has this sense where she can see them and they tell her things, talk to her and taught her a lot about their realm, where their realm as leprechauns in particular. And Again, the, the beauty of the story that comes through and the, the nature of the relationship between the human kingdom and their kingdom. And I think that it's time, yeah, I just think it's time to expand this view. And I'm absolutely fascinated because it brings joy and beauty to our lives at a time when we really need it. And I was supposed yeah. to be going and doing interviews on this in Scotland and Wales, uh, in Ireland and Wales. Oh, right. That's all been scuttled, of course, because there won't be a trip over there. We're not welcome. <laughs> Not at the moment. No, not at the moment. We'll do it another time, I thought. But there's no reason we can't talk about it now and start creating an excitement in ourselves about this. And I've had some extraordinary experiences with um, diva spirits, like in storms. Uh, That dog I mentioned, Prince Moonshadow, I I was going to San Jose the weekend or the day of a stormageddon in California, and they were saying, don't drive. The freeways are going to be flooded. Um, I was getting all the storm alerts and, and our, my dog was afraid of thunder and lightning. And so he was going to stay home with my husband. And, and I, I just start, I realized I could start talking to, there was a diva spirit, like a Zephyr in the sky. It looked like a dragon zooming around and it was just having the time of its life up there. I could see it. And I thought, well, maybe I can talk to it. Maybe I can play with it. So, and that was, that turned out to be the key. It was playing with it. Um, I just realized, mate, uh, can we sort of damp this down? Uh, not damp it down. Damp <laughs> <laughs> <Tamp> it down. <laughs> yes, exactly. Dial it down. Yeah. Dial it down so there's not so much thunder, yeah. so a little bit, a lot less rain, a lot less wind. And indeed, that happened, but it happened. The, the best results I got were when I was playing with it. It wanted to, it was playful. It, was, it reminded me of playing with, um, it was very smart, very active, very strong, very wise, very um, powerful. Um, driving a huge storm, just circling around and around with the clouds. So I, I just felt like I couldn't play up there with it too. And when I was playing with it, then it was happy. And, and I would just say, can we just like calm this down? Yes. Decrease the power of the storm, which we did. And so it wasn't quite the storm again that it was supposed to be. And I could see it changing real time. Like what I was doing, it had a real effect. That So when you get in touch with these realms, you may not be able to convince anyone else that it's real, but you can know for yourself, like, wow, this is really, this is real. Like, I'm, I, I know I'm engaging with this, and I can see it calming down. Interesting. Working with the weather is one of the things that people do who are learning mind mastery. Even some of the people that are experimenting in the realm of parallel realities, calming weather patterns and changing weather patterns is a very typical thing to do, but you've just added an, another element, <laughs> an elemental, another element, into, which is there are beings that also are working with this on the other side. On, on and that's, our view. Yeah, and that can make it more fun. So going back to COVID again, if you look like maybe there's a divic spirit, you can engage with this and recognize maybe we can have fun with this. Maybe we can recognize, let's play with this. Let's find out what can humanity gain from this and let's do that together. And so that's what I'm presenting. I I haven't tried it myself, so I'm putting it out there. Like it's possible. If you can do this with a storm, then 
maybe you could actually do this why not why not and you know everybody that knows you and is around you just adores you because everyone says oh my gosh she's a real fairy (laughs) 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 the energy the energy you carry and the playfulness and the light even I've seen you when you're under pressure you don't lose your cool you just stay kind you always stay kind with everyone and of course people wonder what is she? I don't know. Maybe you are part of the fairy kingdom yourself, and that's why you can speak so clearly with them. <laughs> but we can be, you can choose it, and you can become that. So it's, I, I started off human, you know. <laughs> but, I keep, but if you keep choosing love, you can become this. It, it, it happens, you know, because you're becoming that too. You're, you're just so beautiful. Well, you know what? We can't add on, we can't end on any better note than. If you choose it, you become it. And that is true. That includes that lightness of being, that kindness, compassion, and that love you just talked about. And let's not forget playfulness because a lot of people are not feeling joy and playfulness right now. It's a very, very uh, dense energy that we're swimming in um, that does does have the hallmark of, of chaos and incoherence, but we can still choose we can make our choices about how we're going to show up within it. And as you say, to start maybe even playing with it, what is the benefit here? I thought that was a beautiful statement you made. And I feel like this Mandela effect is a key. The conference that you were the keynote speaker at, that will be, we'll be bringing those, the keynote out. It's going to be released on the YouTube channel for international Mandela effect conference. It'll be free and people can see it. We were just doing some post-processing, but It'll be out. Um, yeah. So I'll post it on this site uh, once Thank I know you. it's there so people can kind of see what we were up to and yes. go into the other talks as well. Cynthia, I want to thank you for taking the time. You add so much light to really every subject you engage with, Mandela Effect or um, elves. fairies i love it i'm fascinated with it i can feel it and i i really want personally to have a closer relationship with that slightly phased off world because if there's one thing we could all use it's a little help a little nature and a little joy and a lot of love Ah, well said cynthia thank you again so much uh sending lots of love your way i really appreciate you just your presence in the world Okay, everybody, Um, you can go to realityshifters.com to check in with Cynthia and some of her work and also to start a dialogue if you've had your own experiences in terms of the Mandela effect or also interfacing with these other realms of beings. You can also go to imec.world and that is where you're going to be able to pick up the keynote speech and and several of the others from this year's uh, Mandela Effect Conference uh, talks. So until next time, Thank you so much for joining us here on ReginaMeredith.com and uh, wishing you uh, a little bit of joy, if not a lot of joy, and a lot of love.